0: Mom, I'm doing frog pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Mr. Taylor, it's been a good week so far since the last time I spoke to you. The Frogs basketball beat two in-state rivals in Texas, Tech and Texas. Frog baseball went across the Metroplex to Dallas Baptist and got their first win in Dallas since 2017. We weren't able to win the series versus Florida State, but that's fine. You know, Florida State's a good ball club. Overall, pretty successful week for the Frogs, and we're looking forward to what's going to be an even better week potentially next week.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about TC basketball last week being in a spot where you're a loss against Texas Tech and another loss to against Texas where you're talking about possibly dealing with a bubble situation well we're in a situation now where we're talking about being a top four overall seed line in the NCAA tournament and going into Kansas City thinking we have a real shot to win the whole thing so things are coming up right now TC's getting a lot healthier in basketball especially which I'm sure we'll get into as this progresses and that win over Dallas Baptist was something else especially coming off the tough weekend to Florida State it was really nice to see us get right and find a win against a really good Dallas Baptist team
0: Yes, TCU's had trouble with Dallas Baptist in, in the past. Like I said, the first win at DBU since 2017. I didn't even realize that, Alan, we never saw a win versus Dallas Baptist in our time at TCU, uh, which was really interesting to me. We know what happened in the regional with them, but th- the fact of the matter is that this TCU team, we've seen a lot of big wins out of them, and Tuesday versus DBU was another one. Most schools really don't value wins during the week as much as other schools do. But when your team at TCU, and you play teams like Dallas Baptist, Sam Houston, Texas State teams that are going to be playing in regionals, it really shows that you don't take weeks off in the midweek. And the fact that TCU is able to put forward freshmen that delivered in big situations is really impressive. Alan, between uh, TCU's two freshmen that pitched against DBU, they combined for over nine innings of work, allowed three total hits and had over nine strikeouts. That's for to go into Dallas Baptist against that kind of team in that kind of environment in that kind of game where the intensity is high. It's a low scoring game and you need your pitching to be firing all cylinders to get a win. He delivered and then some. That's you Out of freshmen, true freshmen, that's all you can ask for more.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we also need to give a lot of, a big shout out to a newcomer in uh, Trey Richardson, who came up with a really clutch hit in the, I believe, his top of the 12th inning, maybe the 11th. That led to us really le- having our lead grow to a three-run differential, which led to us ha- have a comfortable bottom half of the inning to bring home the win. It, this
0: TCU team, Allen, Florida State aside, Florida State is a very good ball club. Uh, they brought their new, their new coach from Notre Dame. That's a team that's going to compete. Might even host a regional. And we've still seen, even though the the Frog team would get a win, the pitching. Is something that's going to be there. Sometimes it might not be there, but the bats and the seed that situational hitting, like you said, from Trey Richardson is what we need to see Carson Bowen, the freshman catcher who's been electric behind the plate. He's flashing a solid bat. Curtis Byrne, who has not gone to the start that he wanted, but he still is able to Hit hard balls into the outfield and make good contact. He's not striking out uh, and you know taking pitches that aren't good. So this is we're seeing growth away from this team early, and that's what you want to see out of this team. But transferring into basketball, Alan. This week, TCU faced a very difficult task. You talked about it. We were talking about potentially playing a playing game, and you have to go on the road to Lubbock in a rivalry game. They have to host the University of Texas, who we knew would be f- vying for either an outright or a share of the Big 12 title going into this game, and TCU was kind of like just it was a story of two halves. The first half in both games, they're up by near double digits and dominating the first half, and then allowed Texas and Texas Tech to come back, but the Frogs finished in different ways. They allowed Tech to take the lead in Lubbock, and Jacoby Cole's two free throws iced it, and then when they played Texas last night, they really never let Texas get all the way back in the game. It was close, but TCU never... They, they slammed the door shut when they needed to and came out with two very close wins. And those are the type of wins you're going to need to have in March because if you're going to make that run that we know this team can make and we hope this team can make, you are going to need to play some good situational basketball late in the game.
1: Yeah, and with that point, I think we need to give a shout out to two of our best players, not named Mike Miles, that were integral in both the wins. And that's Emmanuel Miller and Damian Baugh. Against Texas Tech, Miller had 14 and 12. Baugh had nine assists in that game as well. And then going into the game against Texas when Miller had, I believe it was 20 and 10. And then Baugh had nine more assists in that spot as well with 24 points. So It's really just nice to see these guys stepping up into the roles that we need them to because teams are going to key on Mike Miles. Teams are going to force other guys to beat you. And these two players especially are good enough to be able to get you the, the amount of production you need to find ways to beat really good teams. And that's what we did in the last two games.
0: And the thing is, you talk about how they're going to key on Mike Miles. Texas is backcourt with Jabari Rice, and then you also have Marcus Carr and uh, Tyrese Hunter. They're a very well-disciplined backcourt that causes issues for guys like Mike Miles who are ball-dominant guards, and they had the game plan that works. Mike did not have a field goal last night, Alan, and we still beat a Texas team that was vying for a one-seed. I mean, if you, not many teams in the country can their best player, especially their primary ball handler, have the game Mike Miles had and still get a win versus a team like Texas. And I think this shows not only this team and the fan base, but it shows the Big 12 and the rest of the country that TCU is not just a Mike Miles show. You had a guard, Damian Ball, Emmanuel Miller, Chuckle Bannon showed up last night. Micah Peavy's three ball is getting hotter and hotter by the week. Eddie Lampke was actually able to come back in off the injury and provide some you know, solid minutes on the offensive side. You know, He's still not back to what we expect him to be nor what he needs to be in order for us to make that run, but we're still seeing improvement from all the guys and Jacoby Coles, the guy that some people thought, you know, was just on a minor hot streak. He's a true player. And he showed yesterday with some very timely shots. He made the two free throws in Lubbock. And yesterday he made some key plays in the paint for the frogs that ultimately was able to help them secure the win over Texas.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're on it on that. This team's playing a whole lot better right now. And it's been a pretty good year for TCU Athletics, given that we eliminated Texas essentially from uh, Big 12 championship football consideration. And last night took away all their hopes of winning a basketball title in the league as well. So it's definitely a really good time in TCU land when we're finding good wins against the flagship university.
0: You know, Alan, I got to bring it up now are we overall the best athletic department in the state of Texas? We'll never be the brand or have the value that the university of Texas does or Texas A&M that's never going to happen. But in terms of how our sports are doing across football, basketball and baseball, there's no other team that can top the frogs right now.
1: I mean, there's no other team that's even close. When you think about what, we actually do on the field and on the court in these sports nobody's even close to us yes Texas A&M and Texas went to Omaha last year other than that the successes that the other schools have had in the last I guess three we can call them athletic seasons and the winter spring and fall sports it's not even close I mean frankly Baylor is probably up there with what the, the success they've had in basketball recently and then the year prior in football but it's us and nobody else we're finding ways to be able to capitalize on the success and well, as well, and continue to grow our brand. We think about what the Hypnotoad turned into this year. The Hypnotoad is now showing up as a cult figure, just more than just a football joke video at the end of the first quarter. It's really nice to see how much the brand has continued to grow, and I'm sure it will continue to grow as the, you know this TC basketball team can hopefully catch the nation's hearts as the football team did in March. You know, you know, this is something that
0: I realized yesterday there if you watch tcu game there were there's a whole front row of men in speedos that was a tcu women dive team alan and for a school like tcu that plays on the stage it does you do not see any other school in power five sports at least i haven't seen it who play these big games and you see that support from other sports you don't turn on Any other big basketball game during the week and see another sports team rocking like that. Chess painted frogs by ninety and purple speedos. I mean, it, it's the TCU way, and I believe it's the culture that's been set from that from the top from the top down, from Chancellor Boschini and Jeremiah Donati all the way down to the incoming freshmen. That this is a cohesive school that support everyone supports everyone. If you're doing well, it's not only going to be the fans or the alumni; it's going to be the students in other sports. And I think that's a big part of why TCU is having such great athletic success. Because at some schools, it's uh, we want to be the sport that represents the athletic department at TCU. We've truly honed in on everyone represents the athletic department. And when you get that kind of totality and that gang mentality towards the sports and athletic success, it breeds well. So I just want to talk about that with TCU. Also, Alan, I was listening to King McClure last night on the halftime report. And what he said was this TCU team is so fast. Is, is it just me or not only do we have some of the best athletics in the state slash country, we might also be the fastest. I mean, TCU football team was one of the most, if not the most explosive team in the country last year, featuring Darius Davis, the fastest man in all of football, regardless of the level. Now you have our basketball team who is astronomically when it comes to fast break points on a different level. And you have a baseball team where your outfield is possessed by guys who can cover ground like no other. So speed kills, Alan, and TCU Athletics from top down seems to have that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think baseball, especially as we look forward to going, I guess, going forward throughout this season, we have a lot of guys that are going to be able to steal bases every time they just get on base, which is really nice to see, and going to lead to a relatively easy way to produce runs, which we know is so important, but I think we just got to keep talking about the growth what's ahead even past this season more so talking about football these guys with Cosca's are heading into their second offseason with this program they're heading into their second offseason where they're doing speed specific training focusing on becoming as fast as they can be and it's going to be really fun to see these guys continue to develop when you talk about a guy like Jordan Hudson who's buying into the program and realizing that he's going to have a really big role and we already know the type of athlete he is and getting him a Another year in the system, the potential is really through the roof when you come to become an athlete at TCU, because we know that you're going to be developed. We know we're going to be investing in you so you can achieve all the greatness you're willing to achieve in our system. And it's really good to see that level of commitment, again, from the top down throughout the university.
0: Exactly. And the fact of the matter is, Alan, this very much changing era of college sports. I mean, when you and I fell in love with TCU, uh, the college sports landscape is far different than it is now. And TCU is in a position where, and you and I have voiced these concerns, either we're going to rise to the occasion and make that leap, or we're going to be left behind. And so far what we've seen not only from our athletes on the field and our coaches, but from our administration is that TCU is invested in, in a quality athletics program and putting out a great product that's going to compete on the national stage, even though we're that small school that has only been in power athletics for just a little bit over a decade. TCU has shown that wherever college sports goes, we're going to attempt to be at the forefront of it and compete at that level.
1: Yeah, and I think one more thing just to talk about uh, when we talk about being the premier institution we got to give a shout out to the Neely School of Business, who in the most recent post and Quaint Society rankings, came out as the number one business school in the state of Texas. And congrats to everybody involved with that, because that's a really big step for us as a school. When you talk about just recruiting a different type of student to come into TCU and the amount of production young alumni is doing, we're top 10 in the entire country in career path for alumni leaving the Neely School of Business, which is really a remarkable feat for us to just go from a school in Fort Worth, Texas that 15 years ago was in the Mountain West Conference to winning a Rose Bowl, making the college football playoff, and now being the number one business school in the entire state of Texas is a true testament of what the university is doing as a whole. And I I said this before, Alan, um, you know, a lot of schools
0: have their identity set and they know what they're good at. They know what to invest in. And, you know, they're I wouldn't say their growth is capped, but in terms of what they're going to grow into is kind of capped TCU. At this point, you're looking at a school that's building a state of the art medical school that many are trying to get into. You have a rising Business school. You have one of the top nursing schools in the country. You have an education system that's pumping out world class educators. You have a sports broadcasting department that is becoming more and more a part of the DFW metroplex in the sports world, as well as Southern California and in the Arizona market. So TCU is on the rise, and you know you talk to Chancellor Boschini and what's going on over there. Uh, the transition that's going on at that chair is just as important. I feel at the TCU athletics as frankly, Jeremiah Donati's position or who's our head, uh, head football coach, because what's transitioning at TCU with Chancellor Boschini and uh, current president Poland is allowing TCU to think for the next step after Boschini retires. He has announced that he will be retiring in the year 2025 and president Poland is assumed to be the next chancellor uh, upon his retirement. And chancellor Poland has, excuse me, at president Poland has uh, been the dean of the Neely School of Business, taking them to new heights. And it, it, let me tell you, Alan, if he has the same success with TCU as he did with the Neely School of Business, we're going to be looking at a very, very prestigious university in the not-too-distant future.
1: Exactly. is in really good hands, but I guess the main thing we need to focus on is sort of what Donati talked about whenever Sonny Dux is hired. It's TCU is more than just one person. TCU's a true feeling. TCU allows for a community of people to come together and allow for them to be as create as good of an environment for people to then grow and then go out in the community and do as much good as they can. And I think Poland, if that's the avenue that it ends up going, is going to be a great decision.
0: Exactly. All right. That, that, that was a nice little tidbit on the state of uh, TCU as a school and a department. But this weekend, Alan uh, is a big weekend in college basketball. It is March. Uh, the intro to this episode uh, was the March madness theme song, you know, the tis the season for all who celebrate. Uh, y- this is a very pivotal point for a lot of programs, TCU included. And next week, Alan in Kansas city, the big 12 tournament will transpire at T-Mobile uh, uh, center. And the Kansas city, the power and lights district is going to be an absolute party. The big 12 tournament is slated Alan, to be the most competitive, well-balanced college basketball tournament. We have seen in quite some time because we've talked about it many times before what this conference has done this season is unprecedented. It's not a biased opinion from us in the big 12. This is a nationally known fact that the big 12 this year is the best college basketball conference By every metric in the last 20 years and what's going to happen in Kansas City is slated to be one of the most entertaining conference tournaments in the country. And frankly, the reason why is because every team that's playing this tournament is a tournament caliber team. But as we sit right now, I believe Joe Lenardi only has seven, uh, seven or eight Big 12 teams in.
1: Yeah, I'm actually looking at bracketology right now. So he currently has seven teams in the field with nobody being in the last four in. But he has both Oklahoma State and Texas Tech in some of the first teams out of his current projection. And, you know, those teams play each other on Saturday. And it wouldn't shock me that whoever wins that game could find themselves in a position where they could be one of the last teams into the field going into Kansas City. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, when you talk about having 90% of your league thinking they have a chance, it's only one or two wins necessarily in the Big 12 tournament to making to March Madness is an extraordinary year for the league. And then you talk about just beyond that point, we have another one seed in the University of Houston that's going to be joining the league next season. So it really is an incredible time to be a Big toe basketball fan when we just think about all the great teams that we've seen TCU play this year and how prepared we should be going into March Madness.
0: I mean, Alan, this is um, it's not meant to be a jab, but the fact of the matter is that according to the computers right now, the second best conference is the Big Ten. As we record this, it is Thursday late afternoon, early evening. As of tonight, if Rutgers and Michigan both win, which are both multiple possession favorites tonight, there will be a seven-way tie for second in the Big Ten. Michigan would be a part of that tie, and if they beat Indiana, would be a second-place team uh, in the the Big Ten tournament. Michigan right now is not even for sure in the field, and they're a second-best team in the Big Ten. Another alternative is if Iowa wins on Saturday versus a really bad Nebraska team and Michigan loses either tonight to Illinois or on Saturday, Indiana, then Iowa is a second seed in the big 10 tournament. Well, why is that significant Allen? Because TCU on a neutral site earlier in the season ran Iowa without Emmanuel Miller and Damian ball, who last night combined for over 40 points, 10 rebounds and 10 assists. That is a second place team in the big 10. Potentially that TCU whooped on that court. So that just lets you know that there, the gap between the best conference, the big 12 and the second best conference, the big 10 is a very sizable gap. One that we have never seen before in college basketball.
1: Yeah. And it's really fun to be a part of it. And I just can't wait to get to Kansas city next week and getting to see everybody playing in, you know, what should be the number one college basketball tournament in the country. When you talk about starting at 11 AM on Wednesday, I guess it's Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, I'm not sure which right now off the top of my head, but I guess it's Thursday on eleven a m on Thursday until seven p m on that night. You're talking about you're gonna see four sweet sixteen level basketball games taking place just in one league is an extraordinary feat, and it's something that we really need to be celebrating not only as t c u fans but as big twelve fans as a whole
0: exactly and next week, please stay tuned for our podcast previewing the Big Twelve tournament. It's gonna to be a great one. The first round game, Alan, is uh game one is the eight versus nine game, uh six PM Central Time, seven PM for you out in the Eastern Standard Time. Uh So we're going to get the episode to you probably Tuesday at some point, preview the Big 12 tournament, maybe talk about other conference tournaments where we see what we like. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, if you're a college basketball fan, there is no other conference tournament outside of probably maybe the Big East at Madison Square Garden that you need to care about besides the Big 12 tournament, because this is the tournament ESPN is doing unprecedented coverage of this tournament, you can read that they posted the official billing. They're going to give inside access to the huddle. The locker rooms are going to be pre and post game shows for every single game. Uh Dick Vitale is going to be there. Shaq is going to be there. It's going to be a great time. I'm very excited for it. So stay tuned for that next week. Uh, we're very excited for that. But before we get there, Alan, the Frogs have a game this Saturday against the University of Oklahoma in Norman. This is a, this is a big game for the Frogs. I, obviously, we're trying to get that four seed, and I believe that if TCU can make a little run in the, in the Big toe tournament, that we can maybe even move to the three seed. But this is a game on Saturday versus a team in Oklahoma that... Many have written off, but let's not forget that not too long ago, uh, they were running the current number one overall seed Alabama Crimson Tide out the the building.
1: Yeah, I mean, OU is a team that it's frankly it's their senior night. They have a lot of seniors on this roster that have had sort of iffy years coming in as transfers when you talk about guys like Grant Shurfield and Tanner Groves that are gonna be looking to have one last moment in Lloyd Noble Arena on Saturday afternoon. And it's gonna be really important for us to start off strong early. This is an OU team that we frankly blew out of the water the first game of the first game we played. I mean, I guess late January. I don't even think Mike Miles played that game. You could correct me if I'm wrong there. Um I will be
0: looking right now and pulling that up. But I, that was at TCU. I don't think Mike played. I think that was a big game for Damian Ball, but I will work on that. So continue on.
1: Yeah. Regardless of that, it's a spot where OU is definitely going to look for some revenge. There has been a lot of conversation about Porter Moser being a candidate for other jobs, possibly leaving OU. But even though he's continued to say that OU is his job and he plans on staying there for the foreseeable future. So it's a really interesting spot. OU almost beat Texas in. A- and a couple weeks ago, and since then, they really haven't been as competitive. They played a game on Wednesday. I guess the same night we played Texas against Kansas state where they were actually be able to contend with K State for periods of time. But at the end of the game, they just don't have the talent to be able to score with them. So I would say the key for me is just making sure that we're able to score because OU at times is sort of like the university of Tennessee. They struggle to score the ball in spurts and they can go five to 10 minutes without finding a field goal. And when that happens, if TCU can just play our normal offense and continue to play with tempo, we should be able to win relatively handily. Alan, I have the box score pulled up right here. This was a game where TCU dominated from the jump.
0: 79-52 was the final score in Fort Worth. Mike Miles did play in that game. He had 23 points, uh, no assists, three rebounds, and a steal. He went 10-for-10 10 10 from the free throw line. That, that'd that be really nice to, if we he could spread that love he had that day with the rest of the team as free throws been kind of inconsistent for the Frogs. Damian Ball had 13 points and 5 assists in that game. What stands out for me is Oklahoma only had one player double figures, and that was backup guard C.J. Nolan. He went 4-for-6 uh, with 11 points. That was their high, highest score of that game. They shot 26% from three, 31% from the field. So this is a team that when I watch them, I just see a team that is not athletic enough to go with TCU and they struggle with TCU's transition game. TCU in that game had a total of only 14 assists because we had so many fast break points. So that's what I see out of this team is you got to impose your athletic will and attack the basket because while OU does have some good players, and like you said, Tanner Groves and Hill and Sherfield. I just I just don't see how they could be able to keep with the frogs. And this is the game that TCU cannot sleep on. You can't be thinking about the potential of what happens in Kansas City. You need to take care of business because Alan, TCU's never finished above 500 in Big Twelve play. And City at nine, eight right now, you win on Saturday, you clinch your first ever above five hundred year in the Big Twelve, which would be a phenomenal fee concerning that the first year it happens, it's when the Big Twelve is at its best.
1: Yeah, no, you're dead right on that. It's something that they definitely should be playing for right now and just to continue the momentum to keep growing for this squad and realizing that we're going to start playing our best, ball, best basketball right now is a really good thing to see.
0: Exactly. I mean – We've won that four game losing streak when everyone thought the sky was falling and it was just, you know, depressing times. And it was like, I don't even know if I ever want to watch anymore. Even no, though we all do watch, uh, we're glued to the TV for those hours. But after that Iowa State uh, ass kicking and and I- Ames, TCU came back and Oklahoma State dropped 100 points and since then won three of our last four with the narrow loss to a very good Kansas team where we had opportunities to win the game late. So. The tightest turn for TCU, Alan, it's it's this is going to be a very interesting run. Um, very excited for the next few weeks as we document this. And I truly hope that uh, this is a run that we saw similar with uh, Sunny Dykes and the Horned Frog football team, because I truly believe that there's a very strong chance that we could be having a final four preview for this team. But, you know, like I've said before, it's March. Anything can happen, both good and bad.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you're dead right on that. Anything can happen, but it looks like the darkness retreat that we were we've been having is over now, and TC basketball is on the up and up. Yeah, exactly. All right, Alan, that uh, appears to be it for us. Anything, uh, anything else you got? Nothing else to me. Just go,
0: frogs. All right. Let's thank everyone involved. This producer Schlossnagel out in Nashville. We got Owen, our director of graphics. We have Jameson Mullen, our director of content. Nicholas Capasso, our super fan. i like to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. This is the time we need to share the podcast love. If you're a listener, tell anyone that doesn't mind listening to a 25, 30-minute podcast especially with what the horned frogs. This is what you need to be listening to. We had some great content in here. We have inside information when we can get it. Uh this this March Madness run is going to be a fun one. We're going to be documenting it very closely. Depending on locations, we might be having some frog pods Go go travel, go remote. Well, we will cross that bridge, though, when we get there. But stay tuned to Frog Pod. Follow us on social media, Frog Pod Podcast on Instagram. You can follow both of us on Twitter as well. We think we're good Twitter followers. I like to think so. Uh, but, yes, and always remember to make every day your best day. And go Frogs.